Your move, creep. Mission luck, Bruiser. You both in Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. And I'm so excited for this episode. Austin, this is probably the most excited I've been about an episode of ours. Like I say that every week. No, 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 no. I mean, okay, yes. Do I say that? Yeah, sure. No, yeah. Okay, look, I am always excited to hop on here, talk to you about the movies that we watch. But this is like, this is like one of the most excited I've ever been because I love this movie. I adore this movie. I have such history with this movie (laughs) and this character that I cannot wait to talk about this. Austin, what movie are we going to be talking about this week? This week, we're going to be talking about 2002's Spider-Man, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Tobey Maguire, Willem Dafoe, and Kirsten... Is it Kristen or Kirsten Dunst? I think it's Kristen Dunst. Kristen Kristen Dunst. Dunst. I always get it confused. Kristen (laughs) Dunst. She's great, by the way. I, I I love everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> loved some people. <laughs> oh yeah, James Franco's in it too. James Franco. We got, we got in J.K. It. Simmons. Oh, yeah. So excited to talk about this movie. Yeah. And normally we always like to post our episodes uh, once every two weeks on a Sunday, but we had to make the exception this time because. So obviously, Spider-Man came out twenty years ago on May third, and this Friday. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Venice will be headed to theaters, directed by Sam Raimi. Ah, Sam Raimi. I, I love Sam Raimi. I can't, Me too. I, I love him. I love his style. I love what he does. I, I don't think he directs enough. I don't, And I don't think we give him enough credit. I think mm-hmm. he captures, he has a perfect blend of silliness, horror, and heart. The S-H-A-H. Yes. Did you make that up? Yes. S-H-H. <laughs> but, but but it's true, though. I mean, man, uh, it's just, if you watch his films, yes, he's a scary director. But he also has, like, a nice, sweet way of getting his messages across. And, like, his movies are funny, but not in the Joss Whedon quippy way. They're more like... Um, like visual gags. Visual gags. And just little things. Like, it, it, he, it's very... His humor is kind of understated. Which is funny mm-hmm. because... He's a very silly filmmaker. And I mean silly in a good way. I'm not saying yeah. silly as in like a... It's like campy. It's it's fun. It's good camp, I think. Yeah. It's the same camp that uh, Peter Jackson has, right? When we were yeah, talking about... I, I, I think I like uh, Sam Raimi's style more because it's more like visual. There's, there's certain things that happen in Sam Raimi movies with the way the camera moves. And of course, his brother is like always in his movies. <laughs> um, oh, it's yeah. just it's like, OK, I'm watching a Sam Raimi movie. And then when I watch like an Edgar Wright movie, I'm like, this guy's a Sam Raimi guy, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's uh, Sam Raimi's influence is out there. I mean, this guy has been around for a long time. I think he's like 70 years old. Um, wow. and, and he's worked at every level. 
the super, super low budget, the independent, big studio blockbusters. I mean, this guy has done it all. And I'm really mm-hmm. excited for him to come back to Doctor Strange. I'm not a big Doctor Strange fan. I wasn't crazy about the first film. Um, I, w- I, I was I'm bored. I'm you, not the movie. I love that movie. I was bored out of my mind. I thought the best part about that movie was the ending where they fight the uh, Dormammu. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Oh, I love that final fight. Like, I have, you know, I've criticized some superhero films for having uncreative climactic battles, but Doctor Strange is not it. Like, that movie is very ingenious in how it incorporates the time stone uh, in that final fight. But for the rest of the film, I'm kind of like bland. And I was like, well, look, it's a Marvel film. I'm going to watch it, whatever. Like, I watch all these movies. But then when they announced that Scott Derrickson had left and that they were replacing him with Sam Raimi, I got all excited. I, I don't I don't hate Scott Derrickson. I don't. But I just but you love, love Sam Raimi. Exactly. I'm it's just I got my tickets already headed down. And I think it's perfect. Like rewatching the original Spider-Man right before Doctor Strange 2. It's, it's perfect timing. It's just it, the, the stars have aligned, Austin. I could see mm-hmm. it. I'm a soothsayer with this shit. You're a soothsayer? Yeah. I don't think you know what that means. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) um... (laughs) No, but uh, yeah, I'm... So talk to me about this movie, Austin. Um, You saw it as a child, I imagine. Yes, of course I saw it as a kid. I was so excited. I feel like it's this this trailer and the Star Wars Episode 1 trailer that I just watched over and over and over and over and over again as soon as I had the means. Uh, I remember the trailer for this movie maybe more than the movie i don't know that's probably not true but there's there's like a way that 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 i remember using the quick time movie player like the old quick time movie player to play the trailer for this movie just to like gleam every single thing of information that was in the movie i i had like the the toby Maguire spider-man monologue memorized i was like somebody told you i was just your friendly neighborhood spider-man somebody lied and then it goes all dark because he's about to murder somebody. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love, I love this. I loved this movie when I saw it, and I still love it today. I still think the first two Spider-Man movies are the best ones, mm-hmm. and the the last Spider-Man movie was really good because it did what the other two Spider-Man movies did, but it finally did it for uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with you there. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing. Like Spider-Man No Way Home came out in December. We both love the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think in terms of live action ratings, I think Spider-Man 2 is still my favorite Spider-Man film of all time. I think mm-hmm. I would have to put No Way Home second just because it, it it somehow had the task of telling a good story, but also incorporating Toby and Andrew. Spoilers if you haven't seen No Way Home, which who hasn't at this point. But yeah, like, you know, it, it did the, and it did it well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really... Because yeah. I've been a little hesitant on Tom Holland's Spider-Man films. Like, his solo ones. I haven't fallen in love with either Homecoming or Far From Home. So I didn't have too big expectations for his part, right? Assuming... Because we we all kind of felt that Toby and Andrew were going to be in it. But we didn't know 100%. Uh, so I went in thinking, yeah. I hope I see Toby. Turns out, Tom Holland was my favorite part of No Way Home. I yeah, No Way Home was incredible. I loved it, and I think it's my second favorite Spider-Man film. And then follow third film, my third favorite Spider-Man film being Spider-Man One, the one we're about to watch. Mm-hmm. This movie I have seen in various circumstances when I was sick, angry, 
happy <laughs> when I was a child as a grown man. I loved it then. I love it now. I I think I mentioned this in our drive episode, but how a few years ago, like four years ago, I went to Vegas to visit some friends and we went out to the strip and I had way too much liquor, mm-hmm. way too much. And then I was throwing up pizza and everything I had eaten. Gross. Uh, dude, it was horrible. It was the worst hangover I've ever had. I woke up wanting to die. Mm-hmm. I felt severely ill. And then we were scrolling through Hulu and Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1 was on. And I'm like, all right, let's just put it. I don't care. Just put something. And I felt slightly better by the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was still physically dead. But I was like, <laughs> spiritually... I'm in a good place. <laughs> I watch Spider-Man I watch... and I'm spiritually in a good place. Yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. Ah, oh, I, I <laughs> and and I am excited cuz before No Way Home, <laughs> I actually rewatched Spider-Man 2 with uh-huh. uh with Chris, who's been on the who's been on the podcast before. And we we're just watching it and we were just like this movie's incredible. This movie's great. Like it still holds <laughs> up. So Oh I, yeah. I yeah, man, this I'm I'm so excited. I just I I'm can't. excited. Oh my god. Out am I? <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many moments from that movie that just are uh, great quotes like so good. Godspeed Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, prices are up, costs are down. Uh, just, just everything oh, that Willem so Dafoe's doing. It was just everything that everyone's doing in that movie just works really well. Yeah. Randy Savage too. Oh my god, rest in peace, Macho Man. Bonesaw is ready. I got three, I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime. Playtime. <laughs> so good, dude. Which which is so funny. Good. Bruce which, Campbell, too? Oh, yeah. I'm not calling you that. <laughs> the, what, what, I don't the know if that's human, actually what he says. The human spider. But that's the best you got? Yeah. I, and then I, he's like, that's not my name. I, the human spider. Uh, so good. I will say, it's funny because Spider-Man 1 was trending recently. Wow, like this is the perfect time to talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home came out a few months ago. Doctor Strange 2 is coming up this week. Spider-Man 1, the anniversary, the 20th anniversary is just, a, just a, f- a few days ago. Or, you know, it was just recent. And a few days ago, Spider-Man 1 was trending because I guess some British television group was playing the film, you know, on their channels, like, you know, daytime reruns. And they yeah. actually edited that scene down. Because, you Which know, scene? It, it, the the one where Spider-Man's fighting Randy Savage or, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Because remember, he says, that's a cute outfit. Did your husband make it for you? Oh, yeah. That was yeah, some, some homophobia. Yeah. Yeah. And the studio and uh, the broadcaster decided to take that out. Mm-hmm. They cut it out. And a few people were upset by that and stuff. Which is ridiculous mm-hmm. because it's like this happens all the time. Like on on yeah. daytime television, movies are edited down in order to meet the requirements. It took mm-hmm. me a while to realize that that's what these channels did, these TV channels, that they would yeah. go in and edit stuff. I, I know someone was talking about the violence in Goodfellas and how that was toned down for, to, for TV. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some people were upset. Oh, they're censoring it. And, they're, and, and I mean, it. They fail to realize that this is something that's been going on for decades. I feel like it'd be a problem if like it wasn't available and, and like if you could buy the movie and that scene was taken out, then maybe you could be upset about it. Yeah, but... I would. I would definitely be upset about that. Has that joke aged well? No, no I, I, it hasn't I mean, aged well. It hasn't aged well, but I think there is something to a film like there's some integrity in a film kind of maintaining that original format. So then we could see it. 
and kind of reflect on that kind of you know what i mean it's like people yeah. saying gone with the wind should have been censored it's like no it's a product of its time let's not like you, you can't like ignore that part of the past you because, get to like learn from it you know because if you i guarantee you if you censor that shit out in a few years in a few decades some bullshit studio is gonna come in and say we never did that that wasn't the mm-hmm. way you know i i was pretty goddamn sure that disney at some point is gonna say that song of the south did not was not made by disney <laughs> i am pretty <laughs> sure that that's good that's what's gonna happen guarantee fucking to you because mm-hmm. it's just not a good look and yes we could still remember song of the south but i guarantee you in a few decades more less and less people are going to hear about it yeah we like you can take down splash mountain and everything right but you can't erase the fact that it existed you know and where it came from and its, its origins i feel like you need to to learn that stuff and you know to not make the same mistakes in the future absolutely and you, you know? have to and just own up to it so, talking yeah. about sam raimi in your original evil dead you've seen evil dead right yes okay so you know how the demon kind of possesses um i can't i forgot um yeah like like uh sexually assaults her basically yeah yeah it's uh, like the branch for people who haven't seen it the branch goes in between her dress Mm -hmm. right into her really really awful and graphic uh sam raimi even i i know he said a few years later that not after the film, but a few decades later, he said that he regrets that scene, that he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't proud of it, that he was being edgy for the sake of edgy because he was a young. Mm-hmm. He was like, he, I think he was like 20 when he made that movie. Yeah, he's like, I want to make the grossest movie I can, which, hey, I like I am. I get that. I understand him wanting to push the envelope and stuff. And was it really right to put that scene in there? No, he, he doesn't think so. But does that mean we should censor the film so we don't ever have to see it and potentially never learn from the same things that he... You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're watching it on TV or something... Yes, then different story. That's that's different, you know, because mm-hmm. TVs is different. But, like, if you buy the DVD, I, don't, I feel like you should have... Like, if you want to have a version of the, of the film without that, that's fine. But I think that the version with that should still be somewhere, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, and that, that was another reason I love Sam Raimi, that he's definitely someone to own up to kind of the mistakes that he's made. He seems like a very humble guy. He's talked about the Evil Dead mistake. He talked about how he personally feels like he failed Spider-Man 3. I, I love Sam Raimi. I love this guy. I think he mm-hmm. he's such an inventive filmmaker. He knows how to use CGI really well. His visuals are incredible. And he seems like just a nice guy. You know, he seems so I, he was talking about Spider-Man No Way Home and he was talking about the reaction that he had to it. And it seems so pure and wonderful. And I was like, <laughs> ah, I just he's like a teddy bear that I just want to like, hey, man, it's all good. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see what he does with Doctor Strange. I'm very um, excited. But let's go back to 2002. So yes. both are fans of this movie. Uh, do you want to hear what else was in theaters in 2002? Go for it. All right. Number one at the box office was The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Mm, okay. Which is my favorite of the Lord of the Rings movies. Which we will be talking about later this year when the Amazon show drops. Yes. Um, and then number two was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> wow. This is the worldwide box office. I yeah. believe the domestic box office had Spider-Man at the number one spot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Number three was Spider-Man. Okay. Number four was Star Wars Attack of the Clones. This is episode two. Wow. I think I, I, I watched this trailer, not the episode one trailer. It was like mm. this one and, Spider, and Spider-Man. and yeah. I don't remember the Attack of the Clones trailer. 
but, but I remember the Spider-Man trailer. <laughs> number five, Men in Black 2. Uh, number six, Die Another Day, which was, I believe, the last Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. It is. Uh, also, maybe one of the worst ones, but you know what? When I was a kid, I watched this movie a lot. Oh, <laughs> same here. I love I loved Halle Berry in that in, mm-hmm. in Die Another Day. Oh, and I, I love the Madonna song. Die another day. Yeah. I I did like it when I listened to it back then, but now it's like, oh no! I still why did I like this? <laughs> no, I still listen to it, and it's one of the. It kind of shocked me as a kid because it was one of the scenes where you actually see James Bond like get tortured for a long time during that. Yeah, because you see, like normally it's a bunch of seductive women and Bond just walking around holding a gun. Here he's like getting burned. He's getting tortured. He, He's being put in a pit with scorpions and being for, for a, over a year, right? I, or I think for at l- close to a year, but definitely for a long period of time, months. <laughs> and when they come back from after the song, listening to this Madonna pop song, you see Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan tied up, like all his just beard. Yeah, all, you just see like, hair. It's like he was cast away or something. Oh yeah, he cast it away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I don't know. Uh I liked it when I saw it, but now I'm like, Jesus, why did I like this? Oh, fair Number enough. seven, Signs. Wait, wait, is that what you just said? Was that about this movie or about Die Another Day? Die Another Day. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I don't know why I like Die Another Day. Signs, I know why I like Signs. I still like Signs. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love Signs. Swing away, Mero. Uh, number eight was Ice Age, a movie that we've been talking about covering on the show. Yep. Number nine was My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That's another one we got to do. Yeah, it's crazy. Like this, this movie is like the underdog. Oh, yeah. Because everything else is like huge property, huge property. Oh, James Bond, M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, you've got Peter Jackson, Harry Potter, Spider-Man. You've got you got Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, You got a cute sloth and a freaky looking squirrel, but super cute at the same time. What's his name? Um, Dennis Leary, Ray Romano. Yeah, exactly. And freaking uh, uh, John Leguizami. Yeah, and then and then suddenly out of nowhere, you got this movie called My Big My Big Fat Greek Wedding. What the fuck? And yet, it's one of the most successful films of all time. Of all time, you'd love to see it. You'd love to see it. Oh, hundred oh, percent. And I remember watching My My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Loved it as a kid. Loved it. Ah. We got to definitely talk about it. Okay. And then number 10 was Minority Report, which I think is a very underrated movie. Yes. 100% I, agree. I think it's great. It's, I think it's really cool. It's phenomenal. Uh, uh, Steven Spielberg killed it. And Tom Cruise, my mm-hmm. boy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Man, we, we um, might have to cover a lot of these movies because there's so yeah, many. There's so much to talk for about. For sure. Also coming out this year is Catch Me If You Can, Chicago, the first Scooby-Doo movie, which I also believe very underrated. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I think it's one of James Gunn's movies, too. One of his early he movies. wrote it. He wrote it. Yeah. Eight Mile, The Born Identity, Gangs in New York. Um, what else? Blade 2. Oh, wow. Guillermo del Toro. Martin Scorsese. Fucking banger after banger, dude. Damn. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. It's, A lot of cool movies. So many cool movies. We're definitely going to have to come back to this year. Absolutely. Um, which is funny because I can remember seeing... You know what's weird? I can remember seeing a lot of these movies in theaters but i can remember going to the theaters a lot right like it's it's in my head it's like a gallery and mm-hmm. i can remember at what theater i was for what film right 
Mm-hmm. And I can remember watching all these films in theaters, but it's like I thought they were s- separated by years. It turns out, no, it was almost one entire year. All of these movies. Do you know what I mean? Like Two Towers, in my head, The Two Towers, watching The Two Towers in theaters and watching Men in Black 2 was separated by years. Do you know? Maybe one, two, or mm-hmm. three. But it turns out all these movies, all these wonderful films that I saw in theaters with my dad and my mom were all in within took place in a year. In one year. That's insane. It just kind of condenses the timeline a little bit in my head, if that makes sense. Yeah. I I think for me, I didn't see Two Towers in theaters. I think we saw that on DVD mm-hmm. when it was came out on home video. Signs, same thing. Harry Potter, I didn't watch until, you know, the Deathly Hallows was coming out. Yeah. Um, Die Another Day, another one I watched on DVD. I, I know for sure I saw Spider-Man and Attack of the Clones in theaters, yeah. for sure. Uh, but I, re- I remember we didn't see episode two early on because there was there's like a spoiler thing that kind of happens at the end where Yoda, you see Yoda use a lightsaber. And I already knew that going into the movie. So I, I kind of wish that I didn't know that. And uh. I was I remember being upset that, man, why don't we see movies on opening weekend? <laughs> I want to know these things with everybody else, not come in later. But, you know. Well, look, it is what it is. And you still got to ultimately see these movies and still enjoy all of them. Um, I think I don't I think that's why I enjoy the theater experience so much. Just because these these things, these events and movies have stayed in my head for so long. And I could remember vividly a lot of these. Mm -hmm. And I just always remember having a good time. Never not having a good time. It was, it's incredible. And I mean, that's why I still go to this day. Yeah. No, phenom- phenomenal year, phenomenal film. This this original Spider-Man has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes with 244 films. It has a 67% audience score, which I think is bullshit. But, you know, yeah. I no. think it's... Like, I... Audience score... Uh, a friend of mine showed me uh, a video of people hating on... Batman, like the Michael Keaton Batman, because I didn't think Michael Keaton would be a good Batman. Mm-hmm. Fans have always been stupid. Oh, right? Audience we- scores means nothing to me. <laughs> no, you know what? And it doesn't for me as well. I think fan I think fan outrage is really, really fucking stupid. And yeah. we need to get over that bullshit. Because mm-hmm. it, it's it's hurting it's, movies. It's like fans don't learn the fucking goddamn lesson. It <laughs> irritates me so fucking much. That I, I'm like, we are grown adults now. Act mm-hmm. like a fucking adult. I'm not saying you have to like everything, but at least give something a fair fucking chance. All right? Because we yeah. have time and time again, people have people have shit on things even before they've given it a fucking chance. And it irritates me to my fucking core. Nothing upsets me more than, than that. Why? And here's the thing. If a person has failed you before, making an assumption that it's going to fail you again, okay fine i'll let that go but like for example people were hating on heath ledger when he when nolan casted him as as, I feel as like a, this should be a bingo topic when every time you bring up heath ledger as a joke because because i remember that <laughs> shit fucking vividly i remember oh, yeah. people being like oh the guy that got fucked by jake gyllenhaal i remember reading that in the comments because mm-hmm. because uh jake gyllenhaal and heath ledger were in brokeback mountain i remember it with daniel craig when he got casted and people were like Oh, he's James blonde. blonde? It, yes. Jet Daniel Craig got in a in a motorcycle accident in real life and I think he had to have some some teeth replaced. People were making fun of that. 
People were saying, oh, how is he supposed to be the next James Bond if he can't ride a motorcycle in real life? Oh, now he's the best James Bond. Oh, he's, also, like-, he's like the the only British James Bond in a, in a while, right? Sean Connery was, you know what? I'm not even going to get into, I don't even know. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I don't know what they're. I, I, I feel like he was one of the only British, okay, maybe not. Because I know Pierce Brosnan is Irish. Yeah. Right, uh, and isn't Sean Connery Scottish? Scottish, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know about Timothy. Timothy might be British. Roger Moore's British. Roger Moore and and George uh, La- George Lassenby's like Australian. What? Yeah. <whistles> yeah, this dude's Australian. <gasps> How the fuck did he get cast in James Bond? Uh, there's a there's a story behind it. I feel like um, uh, Brandon on his podcast uh, Cine Nation, he talks about it. He's like, they had like a whole Bond series. His podcast partner is really into Bond. <laughs> oh, and if you guys like our podcast, go check out Brandon's Cinenation. Great podcast. He does, he, they kind of cover genres, director's filmographies. They did a James Bond thing, according to Austin. It's like, it's great. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to the James Bond one. Yeah, I listened to a few of those. There's a lot of them. Yeah, no, a lot. Brandon is a wealth of information. So go check out his podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they did. They they fucking did it. They fucking did it with Daniel Craig. And now he's the best James Bond. Heath Ledger is the best Joker. They did the same fucking thing with uh, with what's his name? The best Batman now. Robert Pattinson. Remember when he mm-hmm. got cast? Oh, oh yeah, I remember. What, it. Oh, my God. I remember all the bullshit that that team had to put up with from fans. Oh, when Robert Pattinson got cast, you mean the guy from Twilight, the shin, the yeah. shiny vampire? When they showed off the picture of the Batmobile, oh what? What is this now? Fast and the Furious? When they showed off the costume, what? You don't even have the right <sighs> Batman insignia on his chest? Every Jesus. fucking bullshit excuse that you could have to hate a movie was thrown at this movie, and now, oh no no no, let let's pull up the evidence. No 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 no, fuck this. I'm going down this rabbit hole. Oh my god. No, bro. No 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 no, fuck them. Eighty-seven percent audience score. 87%. That's a very good fucking score. I'm not I'm not saying the movie doesn't deserve it. I think it's a good movie. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't act like a goddamn child and just assume that this movie was going to be awful because of the casting, because of the design of the car or the outfit. Jesus Christ, we've done this. It, it's we never learn. Never we learn. We never fucking learn. The in the video my friend showed me, they're complaining about Michael Keaton being bald. And here's the thing. These are just like uh, you know, and look, you don't have to like anyone. You don't have to like Keith Lannister. You don't have to like Daniel Craig. You don't have to like Batman. But let's give these movies the benefit of the doubt until we see them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just, oh, just it, it needed to be said, Austin. Again, it needed to be said. Yeah. I will never stop saying this is. A I remember I people on. hating on Tobey Maguire Spider Man because of the way the way he looks. Oh, you know, people people hate I, on people hate on Toby today because they're like, he's not my Peter Parker. Cause see, my Peter Parker is more sarcastic and more funny. And I'm like, it's a different interpretation. They hated the idea that he had organic web shooters. Oh, fans yeah, but hated that. Scene that scene is so funny. <laughs> they oh no, fans couldn't have it. Oh, what? That's stupid. Oh, I yeah. Just, I I can't. It's like, it's like you need to a filmmaker needs to adhere to the comics to and not even to the general comics to the comics that that particular viewer is familiar with and stick to it a hundred percent and if they deviate at all from it it's garbage it's garbage unless it turns out to be good in which case it's the best thing ever 
Yeah. Oh, I just, I can't. I'm. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I think, I, did I say British? I meant English. English James Bond. Okay. Uh, oh. There's only, yeah, the other, t- other th- three, at least three Bonds were not English. So. No, nah, man, I'm I'm excited to talk about this. It's funny because you mentioned briefly how you had seen the trailer for this movie a lot. Yes. I remember watching a trailer for this movie uh, for, for Spider-Man that blew my mind. I saw it in theaters, probably one of the best teasers I saw growing up, and it really sold the movie. Do you, do you know the teaser I'm talking about? The one where it's all in the webs and everything? No, no, no. The one with the Twin Towers. Oh, yes, because this movie was in production during September 11th. Yeah. Well, and one of the ori- they were in the movie, right? So in the original tease, I don't know if they were in the movie. I can't remember that. Specific. Originally they were they were in the movie, but they they changed it. Well, there was a teaser that had these bank robbers going in to this bank obviously and they they get out through a helicopter and then the helicopter like the pilot starts losing control for some reason. And the robbers are like flailing back and forth inside the helicopter. And then you get a wide shot and the plane is stuck on a web in between the Twin Towers. And that (laughs) blew my mind as a kid. Like, I loved that imagery. I was like, I saw it. I'm like, I know what this is. I know who that is. Uh And then then Spider-Man comes out and we just lost our goddamn minds. And I remember looking at my dad and he was, my dad's very excitable. Uh-huh. And he, he just lost his shit. The whole theater lost her goddamn mind. <laughs> That's so cool. I've never seen that trailer. Oh, well, we're going to watch Never seen it. that teaser, I mean. Yeah, it yeah. blew my mind as a kid. And in every trailer, or as, right. at least as prominently, because that was no. that teaser was very much like, look at the Twin Towers. Yeah, um, we can talk about that um, and the more research in the second part of our episode, because there's a lot to... September 11th and this movie. Yes. Yeah. I know we we've talked about it uh, outside. Uh, you've mentioned to me how how 9-11 influenced this movie a little bit. Um, so I'm really interested to get into that. It, it influenced one of the greatest lines in the movie, I think. Mm hmm. He messed with one of us. He messed with all, all of us. us. <laughs> uh, but it so definitely quotable. has that good. It has that awesome spirit of, of New York. Um, I've I've always wanted to visit. I've never been. I'm, I like to think of myself as like a city guy. I love the city. And I mm-hmm. think that watching all the original Spider-Man films in theater, having such an affinity for the character, that has contributed to my to to wanting to visit New York. You know what I mean? And just. Oh, wow. Yeah. I Because, I, again, I 2002, I was maybe eight years old, eight, nine so the world was a lot smaller, you know. I I knew other places existed. I just didn't know what they looked like, what they sounded like, you know. And Spider Man Two, seeing it and it, you know, the the filmmakers put so much love and care into showing New York and Spider Man and the people. It, I was like, I want to go to New York. Like it looks like yeah. the greatest city in the world <laughs> because of this movie. That movie has so much personality for, for New York, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that like the other the other Spider-Man movies, he's not really spending a lot of time in New York, is he? Uh, Homecoming, he does. Homecoming, he he spends some parts outside of the Manhattan, I believe. But like Far mm-hmm. From Home's London, Infinity War, Endgame, obviously not Civil War, no. Yeah, uh, particularly Tom Holland's. But Andrew Andrews does spend time in New York, or all of them. 
the whole movie take place in New York. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it was like, but there was something about that Sam Raimi Spider-Man that was like, New York is part of it. It's not a background. Yeah. It's part of it. I mean, you said that line, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. It's very much a part of, of the, the story. There's That's what I love about the, this movie, though, is there's so many things to it. <laughs> I am curious to revisit it to see maybe some yes. things have not aged well, like the Randy Savage thing. But honestly, I think for the most part, it will have aged well. Yeah, I think so. Really, at this point, I'm just curious to see how did Sam Raimi get the job? How did he get the job? Kind of see some more behind the scene production stuff. Kind of think about 9-11 and also just see how this movie, how this movie, how it made an impact in the film industry. Because yeah. Batman was a big, the original Batman with Michael Keaton was a big film but it didn't take that many it didn't push the industry it didn't push to, in a new a new era of superhero films like this one did i don't think yeah did it start it absolutely but it's not like it, it it's not like it like because after batman batman came out in 89 what there was blade in the late 90s i believe but in between batman returns and and like spider-man 2 you had batman forever batman and robin uh blade None of those films really, really catapulted the industry. That was the the X Men movie, but well, that came out in two thousand three, right? Two thousand. Oh, two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then I got to backtrack on that then. So I really want to see how Spider Man took it even a step further. Then let mm-hmm. me phrase it that way. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like after Spider Man, that's when the like okay superhero movie every year now. Yeah, I think that's what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, man, I'm so excited for this it's gonna be a great time it's gonna be amazing all right so with that we will see you in one minute who am i you sure you want to know if somebody told you i was just your average ordinary guy not a care in the world somebody lied truth is it wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated. Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. Peter, are you all right? I'm fine. Pete, look, you're changing. I know I'm going to do exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. You do too much. You're not Superman, you know. Hello, everybody. We've just come back from watching 2002's Spider-Man, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Tobey Maguire, Willem Dafoe, and Kirsten Dunst. Oh, is that how you say it? It's Kirsten, not Kristen. Kirsten. Okay, so good clarification on that. Another thing I wanted to clarify before we actually continue is that you can't watch this movie on Disney Plus. Right. Um, I think we mentioned that before. Well, I was thinking that uh, No Way Home could be seen on No No uh, Disney Plus, but you can't. I think the only place you could stream No Way Home is on Stars currently. Stars. Yeah, and for the original Spider-Man two or Spider-Man, the one we're talking about right now, I don't think you could stream it. Uh, I think you need to rent this or if you have it on VHS or DVD, you can rent it for $3.99. I think it's worth it. Honestly, I think it's worth the purchase. Of course, it's a classic. I think it is like this belongs on your collection. So, yeah, just wanted to clarify that real quick before we move on to the film. First thoughts. Go for it, Austin. 
Uh, well, I thought that the movie kind of starts like a little slow compared to what we're used to for superhero movies. But honestly, it's fine. Like, I, I feel like we need everything that's in there is like, you know, we need to know all that stuff. It's just it's it's still so good. You know, like the the way it's filmed, the way it's like trying to be a comic book movie. It's like campy, but it gets really sad in places. I love how, you know, like it seems like it's fun being Spider-Man, but it's really not fun being Spider-Man. It's really not being it, it shouldn't be fun being a superhero. Right. And I feel like this one did it that way. And not a lot of other movies do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, growing up with the animated series. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man was fun. You know, and it kind of dealt with like Peter Parker's double life. But I mean, these movies really make it seem that like particularly the Toby ones. It sucks being Spider-Man. It, <laughs> it really does. Like the Tom Holland ones. Yeah. You know, they kind of get into it. But I think thematically, these three films really like one, two, three, like gut punch him every time. You know, he yeah. gets hit with a jab, then a cross and then an uppercut. It's like, oh, you got these cool powers. Your uncle dies. Oh, the girl of your dreams loves you, but you can't be with her. And in the sequel, she marries an astronaut or she's set to marry an astronaut. Yeah. Oh, um, and your best friend's trying to kill you because he thinks you killed his dad. It's just like hey, you have a job as a photographer, but you got to take pictures for a tabloid that thinks you're a piece of shit. And they're underpaying <laughs> you, even though you're, and they're underpaying you're you. giving you're giving them the best pictures of Spider-Man. It is just it sucks to be Spider-Man. So you're, you're right about that 100 percent. Yeah, it's just I feel like it's still like in the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, man, this not hitting those spots it used to. But like as it goes on, like as I'm seeing like different sides of the performances and stuff like um, the Uncle Ben in this movie, man, it it still holds up. It still holds up so well. Mm -hmm. Even the, the special effects, the CGI, it, like you can tell. All right. That's not a real person. They're like flailing around too much, but it's OK. Because they, they do the, the practical effects really good. And, oh, man, Willem Dafoe so animated as the Green Goblin, even when he's wearing, like, the goofy outfit. Mm -hmm. My God. It's good camp. Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, and I think there is something to be said about getting getting camp right is really, really difficult. But when it's done well, man, I think you are hitting that sweet spot between melodrama and fun. You know, I think and I think this movie nails it. And mm -hmm. I agree with every point you're saying. Uh, I, I don't think the movie's slow. Um, it might seem that way because we're at the point where we're, we're even now where we're at as moving movie theater going audiences. We we're having a hard time watching origin films again. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, there is a complaint of Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Shang-Chi, where it's just like, you know, it's another origin story. We've seen them. That's my complaint against Doctor Strange. I'm like, I've already seen this, but this time with magic and some trippy visuals, but it's, you know, I've seen this before. I, I can't care as much, but this is a movie that really had to do it because audiences weren't used to all these comic book or these really good comic book movies. Cause yeah, we had Michael Keaton's Batman one and two, but it, Batman wasn't even an origin story. You know, none mm -hmm. of the Batman films, they all just kind of start when he was already in his Batman run. You know, the one that really got yeah. became an origin was Batman Begins. Uh, but even now with mm -hmm. the 2012 or 2022, they're like, no, you know, the origin. We're moving on this movie. Yeah. People were aware of Peter Parker's how he became Spider-Man. But we had to see it, you know, like canonically, we had to see it. Audiences had to see it. And here's the thing. 
to some people may be slow by today's standards, but this movie moves. It's well, we'll, we'll talk about the pacing, but I ultimately yeah. I agree with you. Not about the pace, but so much of the fact that it holds up. Some of the CGI doesn't, but it's like it still looks good. You know, it's, it doesn't look awful. Right. It's not like there's one shot where it, where it, like you see his before body and it's like, well, you just put his head on top of a guy that's not Tobey Maguire. <laughs> it, but it's so brief and it's like, whatever. Yeah. It's like, why would you even do it in the first place? Then? I don't know. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into to this movie more. Yeah. So in case there's anybody who hasn't seen Spider-Man 2002 or maybe needs a little refresher, we'd like to summarize these movies before we really like get into them. So the movie starts with uh, a school field trip. Peter Parker, played by Tobey Maguire, is going to Columbia University's genetics laboratory. And he's like running to catch the bus and the bus is like everyone's laughing at at peter parker running to catch the bus <laughs> um and he eventually catches up to it because mary jane played by kirsten dunst she tells the bus driver hey this dude's been following us since whatever so many blocks away so the bus driver's like ah fine i'll let him on uh they got on the bus he's got a crush on her uh, ever since before he knew he liked girls is what the narration, the voiceover says. They get to the, the Columbia University and then a Rolls Royce pulls up and it's we are introduced to Harry Osborne, Peter, Peter's best friend, played by James Franco, and Harry's rich scientist father, Norman Osborne. Um, there's a bit about how he flunked out of every private school and Harry's super self-conscious about being dropped off in the Rolls Royce. For public school kids, they go inside. Uh, there's some people who are picking on Peter because he's trying to take pictures for his school paper. Mary Jane's boyfriend, Flash Thompson, played played by a very young Joey Mangelino. Mangelino? Yeah, it's there's there's a few people in here that's like, hey, I know this person, mm-hmm. and they're only in there for like a few scenes. He's taking pictures. There's a woman who's talking about the experiments on the spiders, how they've combined them all into like 15 super spiders but there's one spider missing peter takes pictures of mary jane she's doing like these really goofy poses for the school paper and then a spider bites him in the hand it's one of the it's the missing spider uh he goes home he is feeling really sick passes out and then he wakes up and his body's transformed he's like whoa i feel good i don't need these glasses anymore Norman Osborne is developing like weapons for the military. He's some like experiment to to make a person like a a better soldier or something. Um, but the military does not like him. They want to go with somebody else, a rival company. So he's under pressure to like make this thing work fast before they leave. Peter goes to school. There's that famous bit where Mary Jane's like falling and he catches her. So he's got like these superhuman reflexes. He accidentally shoots a web out of his wrist and it hits Flash in the head, gets into a fight. He discovers he's really strong and he he like it's like a weird bullet time kind of thing where he's like looking at Flash punch. He's like, whoa, he he runs away from school and he starts like climbing on walls. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm like a spider. Learns how to how to web sling. But he he kind of misses out on a evening with his Uncle Ben who's supposed they're supposed to like paint the the kitchen together but he ended up missing on out on that meanwhile norman he does an experiment with a super soul it's not a super soldier serum but that's basically what it is <laughs> on himself and he becomes insane and he like kills his his lab partner peter he talks to mary jane he talks to her and he finds out that she's 
she's not she doesn't have a very good home life and she runs off with flash because he's in a in a car so he's like all right i gotta get a car looks in the ads sees there's there's an amateur wrestling show and can beat this guy and uh, bone saw in three minutes you get three thousand dollars and he's like okay this will be enough for my car i'm gonna come up with this outfit i'm gonna come up with the wrestling persona um and he goes to the wrestling show and his uncle's trying to talk to him he's like man i know you're going through some changes you know you just because you can beat up that flash thompson doesn't mean you should and peter's like you don't know what i'm going through stop trying to be my dad and then uncle ben is like oh okay i'm sorry so he goes to the wrestling show he beats up bone saw in like two minutes so the promoter doesn't want to pay him and he's like what but i need that money and the promoter's like i missed the part where that's my problem and then the promoter gets robbed and peter lets the guy go and the promoter's like hey you supposed to, you could turn the guy apart and peter's like i missed the part where that's my problem but that guy that burglar ends up carjacking uncle ben and kills him and peter starts crying and he's like i gotta catch that guy and then when he catches the guy he sees that it's a burglar and then he's kind of like lost in the moment. And then right before the burglar kills him, Peter disarms him. And then the burglar trips and falls out the window and dies. <laughs> so he goes, he goes back home and tells his Aunt May. It's very sad. Eventually, Harry, his best friend, gets with Mary Jane because she leaves Flash after graduation. Harry and Peter move in together. Peter's trying to get a job as a photographer. He's also moonlighting as a superhero, Spider-Man. It's like stopping burglaries and stuff. Meanwhile, Norman, he gets the his lab's equipment and their weapons, and he starts killing people. Like he blows up his rival's like prototype and the general that didn't want to hire him. Um, and then his company starts doing well, so well that opposition is makes. Oscorp, his company, an offer that they can't refuse, and he buys them out. And Norman has to retire or resign from the board. And he's like, "You can't do this to me." So he's he's gonna get he's gonna kill everybody again. There's a like a celebration, a parade or something where he uses the Green Goblin persona to like blow up the rest of the board. But Peter Parker sees this happening. He sees that Mary Jane's in trouble. So he fights him as Spider-Man and then the Green Goblin's like, I'll get you next time. It's it's really funny. So Peter starts selling these photos of, of Spider-Man to the Daily Bugle, which is a tabloid run by J. Jonah Jameson, who's J.K. Simmons. And then the Green Goblin attacks and he's like, give me the photographer that's taking pictures of Spider-Man. And but Peter Parker changes into Spider-Man really fast and confronts the Green Goblin's like, hey, put that guy down. The Green Goblin puts him to sleep and he makes him an offer. Join me because the people, they, don't re they won't respect you because everybody loves to see a hero fall. Time goes on. Peter's kind of seeing that, yeah, the tablets are making Peter Parker seem like a bad guy. The next day he saves a baby from a burning building and he hears another scream in there. He goes in and it's surprised it's the Green Goblin pretending to be a woman screaming. Uh, they have another fight and then he injures Peter. And later that day, they have a Thanksgiving dinner with the whole family. Peter, Harry, Norman, Mary Jane, Aunt May. And then Norman discovers that Peter has a wound similar to what he gave to Spider-Man. So he's like, oh shit, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. I need to hit this guy where it hurts. So he attacks Mary, uh, he attacks Aunt May. And then he comes after 
Mary Jane, and Peter has one last fight with him. And as he's about to beat the goblin, he unmasks himself and he's like, it wasn't me. It was the goblin. It was his alternate persona. And then Peter's like, you're not my dad. I had a dad. His name was Ben, ben Parker. Parker. <laughs> and then Norman is has been like controlling the glider the whole time. And he's like, Godspeed, Spider-Man. And then he tries to impale Peter, but Peter has a spider sense. So he does a backflip. Norman ends up impaling himself. And his final words are, don't tell Harry. <laughs> then he dies. Peter takes him over to, to his house. And then Harry sees that Spider-Man has left his dead father on his bed. And he's like, oh, it was Spider-Man that killed killed my dad. At the funeral, you know, Harry and um, Mary Jane have broken up. And Mary Jane tells Peter that she loves him. Uh, and he's like, I'll always be there for you as a friend. Ooh, ooh. And then, but like, he doesn't want to be friends with her. He wants to be her, her boyfriend and her husband and, mm -hmm. and stuff. But he knows that. If he's going to be the superhero guy, if he wants to save everybody with great power comes great responsibility. So he, he walks away all sad. And then we get a Spider-Man montage of him web swinging and stuff. And that's the end of the movie. It's a really simple story. It's a classic hero hero circle or what's the hero's journey. That's what it is. Hero's hero, journey. Hero's yeah. journey. This is a two hour movie. It, it hits all the times. It's, it's structured very efficiently. And that's the point. You know what I mean? This this is a formula that works, right? And this is why, because it's efficient. It's exciting. I love it. it it's great. You know, I, again, I'm all for weird, trippy films that don't follow the rules, that do a bunch of things, that experiment. But you know what? Sometimes you just need a classic story, right? And I think you can't get more classic than Spider-Man. I think in terms of in terms of like hero origins and stuff, you know, regular mm -hmm. kid this random thing happens to him and it changes his life forever and that's when he really has to learn how to take responsibility and it's funny because you yeah. can relate to that because in a weird way you know the spider bite's almost like pu a puberty where your body <laughs> starts changing and I mean, yeah but like clearly these these guys have gone through puberty already oh like, yeah oh my god it's that's one thing another thing that was kind of it made me laugh is that like you're supposed to believe these guys are in high school but like their teacher looks looks like they're it's the same age as them. Yeah. <laughs> Rewatching this movie has been a nostalgia trip because mm -hmm. there's so many things that have that I still remember about this film or that have like stayed in my head that rewatch is like, oh, oh, my God, that's where that thing. Oh, my. It's it's great. And I you, would want to fight me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Help him, Harry. Which one? It's <laughs> so silly. Oh, no, it is. And that's I personally like things that are very multi-genre that can bounce back and forth. Mm -hmm. It's a very tough act because if you don't do it right, it could be a jumbled mess. But right. I like it when something is tragic, heartbreaking, heartwarming, comedic, funny, silly. Uh, and Spider-Man is the perfect example of that. Now, this is coming from the guy who's like, my favorite film is like Children of Men, which is very, very one note for most of it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it still has a few different genres in there. It's got its war film. It's got its drama. It's got sci-fi. It has a little bit moments of humor, but it's nowhere near as many genres as this movie. In the past few years, people have kind of hated on this movie. Not hated, but have criticized this movie for how silly it is, for how of the times it is. But I don't think, I don't see that as a problem. I don't understand why we're obsessed with things that are dark and gritty. I don't mind dark and gritty. You know, the new Batman is dark and gritty. I liked it. I, I'm, I, I liked it. But not everything has to be that way. 
And this movie shows that you can have fun and have silliness in camp, but that doesn't mean the hero's going to get off any easier. Green Goblin right. fucked him up. In fact, I've never, oh, I don't yeah. think, I don't think any other movie shows Peter Parker get fucked up as much as in this movie. Not even in the Absolutely sequels not. of this movie. Well, I don't know. There's that in, in Spider-Man 2 when his body is just put through so much, he just passes out. Oh, well, I mean, he I mean, he probably goes through more in that one. But I mean, like actual physical marks and scars and stuff, because like, oh, yeah, the, the the goblin grenade blows up in his face. The he gets whooped on in the first half of that final fight. Oh, like yeah. He's trying to do all the things. He's like, all right, I can do this. And then <laughs> he just gets And bodied. Goblin, like, is undeterred. Like, when he sets up yeah. that, that web trap. And Goblin just rips through it. And he gets... Yeah. And here's the thing. His costume's fucked. Like, that's kind of been a staple of all these Spider-Man films. It's like, yeah. his, his costume needs to get torn up by the end. And it happens mm-hmm. in every film. I don't think in Amazing Spider-Man 2... But, like, happens in No Way Home, Far From Home for sure. I think Homecoming, Amazing Spider-Man 1 for sure. Spider-Man 3, yeah, when they're fighting Venom and Sandman. Spider-Man 2, yeah, around his ribs. But here, it's, like, his body, his mask, all fucked up. And it's violent, too. They've never yeah. gone down as bad as on Peter as they have in this film. Never. And so people are like, well, that movie's too silly. And it's like, did you see the last, like, 10 minutes of this movie? <laughs> Where he's trying to save children and Mary Jane. He's getting Fucked by Green Goblin. Green Goblin is fucking his shit up. And then he gets a grenade thrown in his face. He, this boy is dripping sweat, saliva, blood. I, Jesus. Yeah, I, I feel like he's in danger more so in this movie than I've ever seen other versions of Spider-Man. Except for when they actually kill him in uh, the Spider-Verse yeah. one. Where I'm like, oh my God, they just killed Spider-Man. Oh man, I thought that too. <laughs> I saw that movie. I was like... Oh shit, did they just kill Peter Parker? Yeah. And I really got sad. And I got so angry. I was like, I, someone better kill this motherfucker. I, uh, for me, it was like exciting, I guess, because I had not, I didn't think that they would do that. No, no, absolutely. I reacted the same way in an Infinity War. When I saw Peter like disintegrating, I'm like, oh hell yeah. Because <laughs> I was excited, where's the story gonna go from here? You know? But for, for this movie, I, I don't get satisfaction from watching him go through all of that no does that make sense absolutely yeah like i feel bad for him even though like this peter parker isn't like a hundred percent likable in everything he does like in the beginning he's kind of a creep a little bit of a creep Mm -hmm. um and he he does things out of he does act selfishly you know like the way he talks to his uncle ben it's like damn peter why are you such an asshole right now? I feel like it makes him seem more like a real person. Okay, that, you know that's what who, I was gonna is, say. Who's frustrated with you know one? It, it's like one step forward, two steps back every single time. Mm-hmm. That's that's the best way I would summarize this entire Raimi trilogy is one step forward, two steps backwards. They they don't succeed even at the end of the third one. They survive, but they they get married and stuff. But it's it's it, but even at the end of the third one, it's like their relationship is crushed because that's when he slaps her when he's in the venom venom suit and stuff and it's that's what this whole franchise has really it's really been it's like two steps forward or one step forward two steps back it's like you 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 can't win but it's the right thing to do um mm-hmm. and i and i think i, I like what you said because i was gonna be like all right hold on because yeah he doesn't do things that are 100 percent cool but that's kind of the point 
Like, I think it makes him a better character. Yeah, I, we've all done really shitty stuff in high school. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Stuff that we, like, think about and cringe about as we go we to We all sleep. do. I mean, he's trying to talk to M- MJ, who he's known his entire life, who she barely acknowledges. And is it kind of creepy? Yeah, but, you know, it's not... There's different levels of creepiness, and this is just, like... The benign I, creepiness? Yeah, where it's just, like... It, I think it's creepiness that everyone can relate to, because everyone's social media stock everybody's like, oh, what would I say to them? Has stared at a person a little too long. Yeah. And I, I get that 100%. And him being mean to his uncle, it's like, it seems like they have a great relationship in the beginning. Oh, yeah. So when he lashes out at Ben, it's because he's frustrated because he feels like he's being talked down to, which is like something that I could totally relate to with my parents. And this is a guy who who had been like a, in a week in the like a physical sense, especially like a weak body. And now he has all this power. You know, and now like this guy's telling him what he can and can't do with it. It's like, no, let me have this. No. And when he said, like, when you beat up Flash Thompson, it's like, all right, number one, he started that shit. Okay, I ended it. All right. And you're saying I can't I can't run away. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? You're literally putting me in a between a rock and a hard place, which is another kind of running thing. Or it's like, what is he supposed to do? Does he do what he wants or what he needs to do? Either way, it's not good for him. Yeah, when he does what he needs to, he loses out on being a, like a regular person. With MJ. Yeah. But when he, when he does, when he what, does he what he wants to do, to do people, people die. die. <laughs> uh, I love yeah. the relatability. I want a character who's flawed. Especially, here's the thing. I always want a character that's flawed. Like, I don't, I, I find perfect characters boring as fuck. Because then it's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, what's, I guess, unless that's the point, like, the story revolves around the character that's perfect, that nothing goes wrong. And it's like, I guess, but I like seeing flawed people. I like seeing people get fucked up and <laughs> them go through horrible stuff because then it's rewarding if they succeed. And it's tra- it's really tragic when they fail. It gets you involved in the story. And that's why I've n- I have not been able to let go of this movie for 20 years. I think because the characterization for Peter is so good. It's so good. It's relatable. It's... This might sound corny, but like inspiring, I guess, in a cheesy <laughs> way. I don't know. And it's it's just fun to watch, too, especially trying to see how he solves all these problems. Not only the physical fight, physical ones, like how is he going to defeat Green Goblin, but also the emotional ones, you know. And um, it's I think that's one of the reasons this movie has aged so well, is that it really focuses on how this teenage boy becoming a man, how he deals with all these responsibilities and all these different things. And it's only perfected in Spider-Man 2. That movie pushes it even further. And the third one, you know, complicates things. Yeah, third one, I feel like there was a lot of studio involvement. Yeah. I don't know about, like, I guess when we do the second part of this Spider-Man series, we'll get to talk about that. Mm Mm-hmm. But for, for this one, it feels like, yeah, everything that needed to be in this movie is in there. Yeah, 100%. And I think the way they characterize everyone, all the characters, is so solid that I think from here on out, this will be the go-to origin film for Spider-Man. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think Batman Begins is a good way of, like, if you've never heard of Batman or you, you're not too familiar with him, you watch that Nolan Batman trilogy. And then you could watch the rest. And I think that's kind of the same scenario with this one, where you have a story that just explains everything, tells you who's who, what's what. And then from there, it's like, okay, you know, time to go into Garfield's run. And then we could go into Tom Holland's. Because that's, I mean, this movie is built on such solid foundations that, yeah, Tom Holland didn't really have to come in 
with the whole Uncle Ben, great power comes great responsibility in Civil War. We just kind of knew it already because the, the groundwork was laid down in 2002. Yeah. I think this movie holds up really well. I mean, I think this movie works on so many fronts. The stories, the characters, the action. The I think the CGI still looks great. And if anything, I, I, I think the swinging in this the movie is so really, really good. Yeah, I think some of it is like they're not having a guy like on a rope like swinging. But when you see from like Spider-Man's perspective, there, like, there's this one shot where like you don't see Spider-Man. The camera is like going really fast and it goes... It starts off kind of like high, like maybe 30, 40 feet in the air. And then like comes in in between traffic and it goes back up. I th- I think that was real. It feels like it was a real shot, like a, a crane shot or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it feels fun in, yeah. in those moments. And then it's like, oh, this is all this other stuff that happens to Spider-Man. Like the fact that this this guy, you know, is trying to make ends meet. He's He doesn't come from like a wealthy background, you know, like that the, his financial financial situation is is a thing in this mm-hmm. movie it's a thing in all three films yeah and he has to get a job he wants to you know get a job as a photographer he is living with his rich impossibly rich heir to a giant corporation in, in harry he's like living with them i think norman's paying for the apartment but harry uh peter still needs to work he still he wants to get three thousand dollars to buy a car you know so he he does that wrestling thing and he gets ripped off and then he wants to become a photographer because he likes taking pictures, you know, and he has he, he takes pictures of himself as Spider-Man. But the tabloids running like these terrible headlines with it. So they're making him look worse. And so he's like working to make himself look worse. And he's not even getting paid that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it really sets up the fact that um, I mean, it goes back to the characterization that he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because he needs the money. He wants to be a photographer. He's a good photographer. But shit. Yeah. He, but he has to, in a way, sell out. And kind of, you know, work against his own interests. But that's when he. But that's also where he realizes, like, it doesn't matter what the Daily Bugle says. Because I'm doing the right thing. And it seems like a lot of New Yorkers realize that he's a cool guy. You know? But there's still people who, like, want to arrest him. Yeah. You know, well, there's still people who think he's a public menace. That's always going to happen. That's like a thing that's like, you know, which they did really well in No Way Home. Setting up the I fact, think so. Yeah. I will say No Way Home really does does a good job of setting New York against Spider-Man. Yeah. Probably better than most of these other movies. I think it's the first one in that series that did. Yeah. Like, it's fine to have like a lighthearted Spider-Man, which I think the first two uh, like MCU Tom Holland Spider-Mans were. Mm-hmm. They're kind of lighthearted. The stakes weren't really that high. The, the, his financial situation wasn't really a thing mm-hmm. in the movie. He didn't have to learn how to be the good guy mm-hmm. in those movies. It's just kind of like lighthearted and fun. And then which that is third fine. one cranks things up. And the third one is like, this is one of the this is the best one. And why yeah. is it one of the best ones? Because it does everything that this movie did. Oh yeah, it it, it really does. It does. It has compelling characters, villains, and it really puts him between a rock and a hard place because, yeah, he could choose the easy way out and send, I mean, spoilers for No Way Home. Uh, for just He, a, could, he could murder He could murder, murder the heroes, but he doesn't want that's to. That's the easier thing to do, but he's he he does the right thing because he knows that's what you're supposed to do as a hero. And, and doing the right thing shouldn't be the easiest thing to do. And it costs him his, his aunt. It costs her life. Mm-hmm. And his relationship with all of his friends. And literally his identity. 
I mean, he he doesn't exist at the end. Mm-hmm. But that's what Spider-Man represents: doing the doing the right thing over the easy thing. And I think that's what makes even if nobody knows exactly. And I think that's why it makes that's why Peter Parker and Spider-Man are such great. It's such a great character because mm-hmm. he perfectly symbolizes that. And if you philosophically have a problem with that, I I don't know what to say. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know like what to say to you. <laughs> um. <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk about some of the other characters because they're all they're all good. Man, I love Harry and I love Willem Dafoe. I love everyone, but I love Harry. I, I love um, James Franco and Willem Dafoe being cast as, as son and father because they look really similar. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, a little. The, it's like the the bone structure, I guess, like the the the, the mean, face like the shape a little bit, but Some, also the something hair. Something about it. It's like it's like you're kind of fucked up. Right? Well, yeah. There's something about Will. I remember, and this is a this is a mess up thought, but I definitely remember looking at Willem Dafoe as a kid and be like, "There's something weird about him." He's he plays really. He's really really good at playing like these weird, like shady characters. Mm-hmm. Even when he's playing like a good guy, they're still like, mm, I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. And here, it really. I mean, even Norman Osborn before he becomes a Green Goblin is like a strange character because he's ambitious. It seems like he he he's ambitious. You know, he has a kind of weird relationship with his son. He seems like a cool guy, but he's very wants to take risks because he bets the entire future of his company on the fact that this, you know, using injecting himself with this or inhaling this uh, gas is going to save the company and save their contract with the government. Even though Dr. Strom, his assistant's like, don't do it because we don't know. Dr. Osborne, please. The performance enhancers aren't ready. The data just doesn't justify this test. Now I'm asking you for the last time. We can't do this. Don't be a coward. Risks are part of laboratory science. Let me reschedule with a proper medical staff and a volunteer. I mean, if you just give me two weeks. Two weeks? In two weeks, we'll have lost the contract to Quest and Oscorp will be dead. Sometimes you gotta do things yourself. Get me the promochloroparazine. For what? It begins catalyzation when the vapor hits the bloodstream. 40,000 years of evolution and we barely even tapped the vastness of human potential. So you already get an, an off like feeling from this guy and it just gets worse. Like all his all the all the barriers that he had like the i guess if like in freudian terms like it's he becomes like more more id than anything right like the his conscious his his super ego i guess i think that's the conscious part right the super ego it's gone yeah he's only pretending to to act like a normal person yeah because he knows you know he, he knows okay this is this is a weird thing for me to do if i if i didn't have a mask on and the, the green outfit <laughs> yeah well it's like all the things all like the, the the barriers that we've set up because society has said like you know like you can't go into a movie theater and yell fire right because society right. has told us that so we don't do that but it's almost like when he's the green goblin that barrier's been broken and now he acts how he likes he stays on the cover because he doesn't want people to know that he's a green goblin yeah, he has but... a sense of self-preservation but yeah like that's that's all that's keeping him from like doing some despicable things horrible things and even then he's not he's not above like creeping people out like mj at the thanksgiving dinner where he's like yeah the way he's looking at her is so gross yeah but it's wonderful the way willem dafoe plays it because he's just switching back and forth and you know he's so gross and you can tell he's he you can tell he's taking pleasure from how uncomfortable 
he's making her. Yeah. And Ugh. he just has something very like psychotic about like the way Aunt May like gives him like the knife to like cut the turkey. Uh, when when he's trying to take a bite before saying grace. Mm-hmm. And he's like looking at her like, hmm. And he's that, like that sharpening look, that, the knife. That, that look was, uh, I'm a cut a bitch if you do yeah. that again. That's that look. And the creepy thing about Green Goblin is he'll probably do it. I mean, he blows up her house. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And he makes her finish her prayer. What do I do? Instruct him in the matters of loss and pain. Make him suffer. Make him wish he were dead. Yes. And then grant his wish. But how? The cunning warrior attacks neither body nor mind. Tell me how! The heart, Osborne. First, we attack his heart. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. <laughs> <laughs> Finish it! Deliver us! Finish it! (laughs) He's psychotic. But what I love about Greek Goblin is that 20 years later, watching all these superhero films, it's like, for some reason, they always want to, like, destroy the world or for whatever reason. And even the franchise is guilty of this because in Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, the lizard, Dr. Connors, wants to turn New York into lizards. Why? <laughs> Who the fuck? I, I haven't seen that movie since it came out. Because Magneto wanted to turn everyone into mutants. No, no, right? no. But that's no, no, no. But that's different, though. <laughs> that is different. Yeah, because he's been a mutant his whole life. He's been a mutant his mutant his whole life, and he just wants people to know, like, we're not how bad, it feels, right? Mm-hmm. But Doctor Connors just comes out of nowhere, and it's like he just wants to turn everyone into lizards. And it, this always happens, you know. There's always a villain that wants to blue light beam up something into the air and destroy <laughs> the city or whatever, right? Right. And I don't like that. I like how his motivation is to he want Green Goblin wants to fuck shit up, but he, he he wants to fuck shit up so that his company can survive. Yeah, he's he's a he's a fucking um, billionaire who wants to to be on top. He wants things his way. He wants to make a mess, a chaos. A, 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 he wants to make chaos. He wants to make disaster. And he wants to reap the benefits. And someone's in the way. What I like about Greek Goblin is that, okay, I could try befriending him. And that way we could do it together. He has reason to join me. I'll try reasoning with him. Doesn't go to plan. He's like, well, I could kill you either way. You could have made this. You could have made. I could have given you the easy way or the hard way. And you chose the hard way. So I will appease you. I love that. I love that the fight at the end isn't about saving New York or saving, you know, it's it's a personal fight between these two guys that have been going at it for the entire film. I love that. Not saying that I don't like city threats and stuff. I, I Spider-Man 2 is my favorite Spider-Man film, and that has a city-destroying threat in it. But that one also feels really personal because it's between a mentor and a mentee, between friends and Doc Ock wasn't doing it to destroy the city. In fact, he just wanted to prove that he was right all along, right? That he was able mm-hmm. to make this renewable source of energy, even though it and wasn't... It, it wasn't his fault that his wife died. Exactly. There were layers to it. But, you know, some of these yeah. movies just... I, I want to turn the city into lizards. Why? Because I gotta. Oh, why do you want to destroy... Because <laughs> I'm a lizard. 
yeah, right. <laughs> I don't. Um, know. I haven't seen those movies, so I can't really. I haven't seen the Amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, so I can't really contribute much to that. But in in this movie, I feel like both Harry Osborn and the Green Goblin, not Harry, both Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin want to make a son, like a son protege figure, out of Peter mm-hmm. and Spider-Man because he's disappointed in Harry. Yeah, which which that is an element too. Yeah, he tries to get Peter to to work for him. And he's like, oh, I want to make my own way. Uh, the way that he talks to Peter after his graduation versus the way he talks to Harry at the graduation. Man, <laughs> he's it like, must... well, I guess you proved me wrong, son. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I can't blame Norman because Peter, Peter's great. You know, he's a cool guy, hardworking, very smart. Harry is not those things. But, you know, yeah. He doesn't ask. He doesn't ask uh, Harry to be his like you know secondhand villain. Yep. He asks. Yes, Spider Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So Green Goblin is a great villain, right? And his one liners, the, the, like the yeah. way he, the way he talks to, the way he threat threatens um, uh, Jay Jonah and Aunt May. You know, mm-hmm. like saying "finish it" is so creepy and cool. Like that's some awesome villain shit, and what I also and it's funny too. Yeah, it, well, that's it's the like thing. it's it's that line between like okay, this is a bad guy, but he's funny. He's making me laugh. Oh yeah, like when he it's, blows it's up camp. the rest of the board. Out am I? <laughs> disintegrates him, turns him into bone dust, and I'm laughing. <laughs> Sam Raimi's good at this. He's good at the horror comedy, Evil Dead, and mm-hmm. he brings that. Granted, in the PG thirteen level, but he still brings that. And he makes both on in the story and stylistically, he makes Green Goblin a villain to be scared of, but one that you can't help but just be entertained by. Like from a story perspective, he, you know, threatens Jay Jonah and Aunt May in kind of scary ways, right? Mm-hmm. The the lines that he's saying, like when he MJ and I are gonna have a hell of a time. <laughs> you know? Um, so from a story dialogue perspective. He he's make he's making Green Goblin really fun and scary at the same time. From a per- performance perspective, Willem Dafoe is leaning into it. He's leaning into the camp, but always taking it seriously. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, even though it's campy, he's not half assing it like some people have where it's like, oh, this is a piece of shit script. So I'm just going to either go too far with it or be understated. Willem Dafoe rides the line mm-hmm. from a stylistic perspective. Sam Raimi makes Green Goblin like, for example, during the fire. Right. You think it's a woman and he turns around and then he punches in really close and it's Willem Dafoe screaming like a woman and then he gets kicked. That's a huge jump scare that fucked me up uh, as a kid. When that I makes saw me this. laugh because of that. That scream is like it's a stock scream that you hear all the time in like cartoons and stuff. Well, it was funny because I was actually wondering if that was his scream because there's no reason for Willem Dafoe not to do the scream. Like, hey, so we want to add a scream. If you can't do it, that's fine. We'll find some stock. But like, just you know, give it a head. Go ahead, go ahead, try. I wonder if that's what they did. It could, it could have been stock. It could have been stock. No, no, the scream is definitely a stock scream. Oh, you think so? I've heard it before in cartoons. I'm gonna get you out of here. It's okay. Oh, 
my shoes! I think you're gonna give me those shoes! Isn't that right, Thor? Who's gonna make me? Like, you know, it's like the, the Wilhelm scream. It's yeah. like the one that's in all the Star Wars movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's the Howie scream that is like the... <laughs> and there's that one. Okay. I feel like it was even in... Uh, there, there was this like computer game where you could like make your own Spider-Man stories and it used like animations from the cartoon from the 90s. And I'm pretty sure that scream was there. I'm 100% sure it's a stock scream. Okay. I was wondering, I was wondering if it was stock or if it was Willem Dafoe. But Sam Raimi didn't have to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like he didn't have to kind of make the, from a story perspective, he could have just said, all right. Green Goblin visits Peter Parker or Spider-Man and asks him, you know, they meet up at the rooftop. But no, he sets up this entire ruse and he has <laughs> he has his belief that Spider-Man's there to save a woman. He and he does the quick flip and he just screams and kicks <laughs> Spider-Man. It's that he, he takes does it he that kick extra him or does level. he punch him or um, no, he punches him <laughs> and he punches him through walls and shit. Yeah. And like, for example, there's like a, another scene where Peter is uh, sleeping at the hospital watching over Aunt May after Green Goblin attacks her. And there's that cut of the Green Goblin like jumping at the camera, right? And it's like, it's it's like superimposed on top of each other. So it's like the rah! That, you didn't have to do that, but it's a nice little addition. It, it's a jump scare. He has these jump scares in there and it just makes the Green Goblin even more terrifying. And that's what's so cool about this movie. It's, you know, it balances funny some horror elements, some scary elements. Uh, it's, and it like, all for works. For me, it's it's just like, it makes me laugh. I get so much, like, I, I said this before, entertainment value from it. Like, I, I it's so, it's it's what the Evil Dead does. Mm -hmm. And the Evil Dead 2 is is kind of funny. Like, oh, it's it is. creepy, it's unsettling, but it's, it's still really funny. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This movie, like, throws audiences for a loop constantly. Like when J. Jonah throws the cigarette out the window and it's tossed back in. <laughs> and his whole build it's there's there's like a jump scare element to it but that's funny too who's the photographer yeah. taking the picture of spider-man <laughs> i don't know who he is i gotta i gotta give it to j jonah jameson for not for not ratting out peter when he's like right there i don't know i mean the internet has decided that j jonah jameson it, from that perspective is a good guy i mean it, you could see he that has a, he has some kind of professional integrity like he doesn't he doesn't like when peter calls it slander because he's saying bad things about spider-man because it's print so it's libel mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that and dude it's this movie and that kind of goes to one another point about this movie that's great it's funny like this movie is funny on so many levels but it's not the joss whedon quippiness you know what i mean where you know you've got those lines of dialogue where it's just like back and forth this movie's like just clever and funny. I'm not saying that Joss Whedon isn't clever, but like for example, when Peter does say like that's slander, no, it's on when it's on print, it's libel. Like that's a joke, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and for example, like the the comedy isn't just that, but it's also like in how <laughs> silly some of the line deliveries are, you know? Like we've talked about Willem Dafoe, right? But also yeah. like the dialogue and like the inclusion of like supporting characters, like that little montage in the middle where they're talking about Spider Man. This is not a man. My brother saw him building a nest in the Lincoln Center fountain. I think he's human. I think he's a man. Could be a woman. Oh, 
come out and he climbs up the ropes like a spider web. I see the web and it's his signature and, and I know Spider-Man was here. The guy protects us, you know, he protects the people. Ah, some kind of freaky Lewis something wackadoo. He stinks and I don't like him. Guy with eight hands. Sounds hot. He has those tights and that tight little... Dresses like a spider and he looks like a bug. Well, we should all just give him one big hug. Look out, Here comes a spider Guy with eight hands. Sounds hot. He looks like <laughs> a spider. He swings like a... We should all just give him one big hug. <laughs> Yo, that's funny. That's funny. And the when the, the wrestling show too. Like when he when the guy's like, that name sucks. <laughs> hey, welcome the amazing Spider-Man. And then he's just like standing there with the spotlight on him. And the first thing he does is like turn off camera. Like, hey, that's not my name. I'm not going out there until he gets it right. <laughs> if he can withstand just three minutes in the cage with Bone Somagraw, the sum of three thousand dollars will be paid to. What's your name, kid? The human spider. Human spider, that's it? That's the best you got? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. The sum of $3,000 will be paid to the terrifying, the deadly, the amazing Spider-Man! My name's the Human Spider. I don't care, get out there. No, he got my name wrong. Get you out there, you moron. <laughs> like, when they, when they make it a, a cage match, and there's that one guy that gets up from his seat. He's like, you cage! It's, just, it's funny all around. It, man, that, that wrestling match is so funny. And there is some casual homophobic, does that casual homophobic line in it. But honestly, I still like Bonesaw's reaction to it. Where he like tries to- What are you to, doing up there? And he like jumps, but it's like, he jumped like three inches. <laughs> That's what I thought was so funny. He's just jumping. He just can't because his muscles are, don't let him. Um, yeah, it, like the the joke doesn't. It's it's not just a homophobic joke, right? Like it's not. It doesn't dwell there mm-hmm. long. Like it's still like not okay. Like you couldn't. I don't think you could do that in a Spider Man movie now. No. It's it's just it's like irky. Yeah. But it it doesn't. It, that's not the joke. The joke is he's up there and Bonesaw's down on the ground and he's like jumping trying to reach him but he's like 30 feet away like you're not gonna reach him well and it's also it's also just trying to make someone who seems really really tough just like just just to just put him down a a little peg you know what i mean yeah could you say that in a new spider-man film probably not probably shouldn't but from the times you know that that was something that happened and thankfully it's not something that they linger on too much and it seems like it's just it's like a quick line they move on the fight scene keeps going on and holy so if you edit if you edit that line out no big deal like if you're mad that that line was taken out of the tv edit of the movie get over it (laughs) yeah especially the tv edit like come on like we said before it happens all the time i will say i did forget how much bone saw was gonna fuck peter up i (laughs) read the chair he he (laughs) wants to kill peter when he grabs the crowbar I instantly went back to like Death in the Family from the Batman run, you know, mm-hmm. from the Batman comics, how Joker kills Jason Todd with the with the crowbar. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and because and Sam Raimi's like such a big comic book fan. I'm pretty sure yeah. that that was like a minor reference to it. He has he throws in these references to other superhero films like Shazam. Uh, yeah. When he when he has the web thing. 
That's a, that's another funny scene. Oh, up, up and it. away, Web. Shazam. People were dying <laughs> does, when like, I the saw the devil. The devil horns, and then he just like goes up and down. <laughs> yeah, man, that that scene is so funny, and it's not like he's not playing it for comedy. He's clueless. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to pull this web out of his wrist. So he's just, you know, it's a little, it's hammy. But yeah, it's... and the, the way the, the shot is just on his hands. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, the motion that his hands are doing. That's that's so visual. Yeah. That's something that's so Sam Raimi. Exactly. You know? It's ah, it's it's great. And that that's what I mean by this movie's funny and not in the quippy sense. Like, it's it's just funny. You know, like it's visually, vision. how can we compose this shot to make it funny? We talked about this in Independence Day. Remember when Vivi- Vivica Fox opens up the window and she's like, look, like, how is that normal? And we were like, you could have made that a visual gag. That would have been funny. But Roland mm-hmm. Emmerich didn't do that. I'm sure if Sam right. Raimi would have would have directed that movie, he would have known exactly what to do. It's like, this is how we can make a funny little joke out of this to mm-hmm. lighten the tent, light, lighten up the mood a little bit or mm-hmm. to just show how out of the ordinary this giant spaceship landing in new york is and another reference like I mean, he has the shazam reference i think that crowbar thing is a minor reference to death in the family because i sam raimi is a fan of batman mm-hmm. uh and then there's also the reference like there's also like when peter's running you know during the the fair during the carnival or fair or whatever and he Madison- takes off his shirt like superman mm-hmm the way he like leaves mj on the roof and he's like don't worry she just needs the elevator like that's that's Cub, that's Boy Scout Clark Kent right there, you know? And he's like, you know who I am. I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But he yeah. does the, the fucking superhero voice. I'm just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. And then he, he does a little salute and does a flip off of the roof. Yeah, I would have done the exact, I would have thrown in more flips. It's like, yeah, check this out. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you know who Peter is and like, he's like trying to pretend like he's some superhero, but he's still like a nerd. Yeah. So he's doing it as a nerd would yeah it's it's funny it's great and that's you know when we're talking about the comedy this movie has different levels of comedy dialogue visual gags uh just playing it straight you know and and that's what this franchise does that does really well i mean one of my favorite gags is it from spider-man 2 when he um like when his bike is busted and he starts like losing his webbing power and he misses mj's play and he's like dragging his bike on the sidewalk and there's like posters of mj on the side and it's like and so many posters at the day the like a few minutes after missing her play like an hour after missing her play and it's just they're reminding him of what a loser he is for not being able to go to the play and i i that's the kind of humor that this franchise has that i don't think a lot of movies do nowadays everything's just so quippy and i've bitched about this before but so many movies now just rely on improv like comedy improv. And I'm like having visual gags or things that are just not everything has to be improv. It's just so much. And with Marvel, the MCU does that a lot where it's either improv or it's um, quippy, you know, and I'm just like, it's fine. It's just not as as funny if you do it visually. Like the, the funniest thing in Doctor Strange is not the fucking what's it called? His his cape, his cloak, wiping the tear from his face. Like that's just kind of ugh, OK gotta have a joke in here because it's too got too serious exactly um, well it, but it, when 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 it ends and he's like Darmamu, i've come to bargain and you see this superhero get viciously killed hundreds of times mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny oh it is 
and I think the Marvel movies, the MCU films don't embrace that enough. Now it's just like you have to throw in a joke every so often because things can't get too, too emotional. Right. And the, and the gags right. are always the same. It's like the gag where it's like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I don't have a problem with that, but I appreciate a film that has a variety of humor, you know, where yeah. the supporting characters are funny, where the gags are visual, where it is on the dialogue. And sometimes just don't force humor if you don't need it. Be in the moment and realize just, hey, this moment is kind of tender between these two characters or this moment is kind of tense. So don't ruin it with a with a joke. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about story and characters. Well, we've talked about a few characters. Um and we've talked about the humor. I want to talk about the action. The action's great. The action's phenomenal. <laughs> I want to talk about the action. It's great. It's great. Like it's great. Watching rewatching it, it's like holy shit, this is awesome. Like it's nice. Yeah, it, a lot of like wire work too, but it's like my favorite part is when he he punches the green goblin away and the green goblin is like waving his arms around. <laughs> yeah, like it's that kind of can He's like the, he does the web, he shoots his web at him and brings him back again for another hit. Yeah. That's some like Marvel versus Capcom, like yes. combo shit. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love that. They're throwing combos. That's what they're doing. But the action in this movie is great because it combines everything. There's wireworks, there's practical fights. It's choreographed really well, right? Mm -hmm. And it's shot really well. I mean, the ending is so brutal because you feel every punch right it uses slow-mo when it has to when he gives mm. them the when he gives them the left hook and peter's head like whips and that's when he throws the saliva slow-mo is yeah. used appropriately they like use shaky camp to really sell how how hard everything hits and the sound design too you hear his breathing how he's gasping yeah. his yelling you hear the the impact of the of um the green goblin's punch on his skull of his knee like well, he needs peter and you hear it Oh. Misery, misery, misery. That's what you've chosen. I offered you friendship, and you spat in my face. <laughs> The sounds are very like I don't know if you've you've seen Indiana Jones recently, but it his punches sound like explosive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I haven't. Well, it oh, it's it sounds it's like very movie. You know, it's it's like very like okay, we're watching a movie and this is how punches sh should sound. It's like pulpy, campy, but it, it's it works. Well, that's what it is. It's pulpy. You know, it's it's like the comic books that like Steven Spielberg grew up reading. And same here. What was funny is comparing this to The Raid, 
because we watched the raid earlier this year and mm-hmm. the raid doesn't even sound as impactful as, the, as these hits because with the raid they're selling something completely different they're selling precise uh fast punches so when you hear punches in that movie it's like the it's like very quick this movie's not so not so much on that right because they're not fighting a, a style of martial arts it's more like a boxing match almost in a way it's, it's like a, a comic book fight where like you're you're seeing these these hits in like still frames i guess mm-hmm. i don't know it's well, it's a different kind of fighting it's, it's a different not, kind of fighting both are it's great not about the artistry of of this like real martial arts it's like all right this guy's got web powers mm-hmm. how is he gonna fight with that yeah and i'm not saying this does it better than the raid like no 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 two two different style two different ways of presenting action mm-hmm. right but this one really sells the fact like the raid sells the fact that they these people are fast and very good at fighting everyone spider-man is is showing that these people are super serumed up their biceps are jacked and if they hit you they will take out your teeth (laughs) you're you're gonna go through some walls yes (laughs) (laughs) but but it's but it's eventually they'll start using walls as weapons (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's like a fight but i'm i'm almost like i haven't seen fight scenes like this that are quite as impactful in modern mcu films i think the i think like winter soldier does a good job of selling hits like this like Winter Soldier kind of yeah. has very similar, uh, similar sound effects and and fighting presentation like the original Spider Man. Cause like there's a scene where Cap kicks a dude off a off a ship, and you really get a sense of how strong Cap is in that. But outside yeah. of Winter Soldier, <sighs> I like the the brutality of it too. Like yeah. freaking Bucky throws the guy in an engine. Jesus. <laughs> and that brutality is in here as well. And here's the thing too: Spider Man did it way before. It did it in 2002. MCU started in 2008. That's a six year, six years that they could have built on it and they haven't. Now, granted, the MCU is, well, I don't know why, I don't know why they do that. But the fights aren't nearly as brutal for the most part. There are exceptions. I think the scene in Civil War between Cap Bucky and Iron Man is pretty brutal. But even then, it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just not, doesn't hit, doesn't have the same impact. Do you know what I mean? And that's basically my point. These action scenes have impact. They have blows and you can't help but kind of just wince a little bit when you see it happening. You know, like when that slow-mo shot, when Peter at the bridge, when Peter has um, has like the the gondola, I think. Mm-hmm. And the goblin comes up and like uppercuts him. You feel that punch. That punch hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it took like the- he, he's like holding on to this gondola of children. Oh, I didn't really talk about that part in the, in the story, but the Green Goblin is like making Peter choose between saving mary jane and saving like this this like kid these kids on a field trip mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he, he lets go of them both and peter manages to catch them both but he's like hanging on with one one web on the bridge hanging on to mary jane and hang on to these kids so he's, both of his hands are tied mm-hmm. and green goblin's just flying around on his glider punching him <laughs> oh yeah constantly <laughs> it's uh i mean that scene works great because it's putting peter between a rock and a hard place and he's getting the shit beat out of him. And you feel every punch. And, when and who saves the day? New Yorkers. <laughs> which is which is an iconic scene. Iconic. It's like my favorite line. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And it's really cathartic because the whole movie, the, you know, part of the movie is selling you the fact that New Yorkers don't know how to feel about this. Like some like mm-hmm. it, some don't. Daily Bugle is like, or using, you know, committing libel by saying that Spider-Man's a villain. Peter feels kind of 
it cops want to arrest him. Yeah, cops want to arrest him. He, you know, there's that scene where he's looking at the paper and Green Goblin's voiceover is, despite of everything you've done for them, at the end, they'll, they'll always turn against you and stuff, right? So having all that set up and then paid off with the with the city coming to save him, it's really great. It's really great. And mm-hmm. normally, and normally, you know, I would I would call bullshit on the scene like that. You, you know what it's I mean? So it's one thing I, I didn't really like about The Dark Knight. Uh... What, what what specifically when when the people reject the joker the joker's proposition like mm. the the prison barge and then the the other like he has that that thing where there's a bomb on on the prison barge mm. and there's a bomb in the hospital and it's up to the people to decide who they're gonna bomb first and they both decide not to bomb anybody because mm-hmm. the people they they know they want justice they know what justice is deep down inside do you remember I, I remember that. Well, I, I'll say this. This movie sets up their involvement, the city's involvement with Spider-Man and kind of how he, how he what they feel about him a little bit more. Dark, the Dark Knight mm. still does a good job, though. The Dark Knight still does a good job. And it does show that they are willing to, like, they, they think they're willing to, to do what it takes to survive. But really, they don't because they're scared. Like, that. that's what I got from that scene. I I love that scene, by the way. I could I could kind of see that point. But I still think it was done really interesting. And it, it also just, the suspense was too high. So the fact that they pulled away from actually pulling the trigger on the bomb, just like, oh, thank God. You know what I mean? Like, just restored my faith in humanity for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think they would have pressed the button. Uh, fair, but I, I believe that, like, that's that's me. Like, that's when I see that movie. I'm like, I don't believe it. But in, in this movie, I I do because you kind of see how the city reacts to to Spider Man. You see all the goods that he that all the good things that he's done, and you see and like it's not like they immediately jump in, right? He's there yeah. for a while, and and even the guy says it like you're beating up a guy who's saving the who's trying to save a bunch of kids, <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah, like it, I, it, I think part of it too is it it is kind of funny that they're just it's just so new yorker like the way they talk and the, the guys are on the barge and they're like i'll come around to, to help you out <laughs> absolutely and- come on up here dumb guy i got a little something for you big spider-man alone you gotta pick on a guy trying to save a bunch of kids oh yeah i got something for your ass you miss spider you miss with new york you mess with one of us you mess with all of us I haven't spoken to any New Yorkers, but I'm sure that a lot of people from New York really like that scene a lot, you know? Oh, no doubt, especially in 2002. Especially in 2002, which we'll get more into in the second uh, in the second episode about this film. But uh, yeah, like months, not even a year after the horrible events of 9-11, they get to see this. Uh, one of the greatest superheroes of all time needing help and the city comes in through for it comes through for him, you know? And mm-hmm. in the most New York way possible, too. Exactly. <laughs> they just throw trash at him. Yeah, they're just throwing <laughs> random shit. That means they like, they're taking all these things from their cars. I just, I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> but it's it's wonderful. Wonderful. And again, normally I would have called bullshit on that. Because I don't want outside forces to save our heroes. Right? I want the heroes to try to find a way to get out of it. But when you set it up and do it properly, it's cathartic. It's incredible. Yeah. And even in the in the second one, in Spider-Man 2, when he's on the subway, mm-hmm. 
that the New Yorkers save him when he's about to like fall to his death. Uh, I, f- I feel like they set that up pretty good too. And they yeah. keep a secret. Granted, mm-hmm. if it was in 2022, they wouldn't have. Cause I mean, like before that, they were like, when he, as he's trying to save them, they're like, do you have any other bright ideas? Yeah. Well, it <laughs> seems very, again, I've never been in New York, but it seems like the New York response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of smart galicky, but also like he's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the action scenes are incredible, and and the, the the involvement with the city is awesome. You know what I mean? Like the set pieces, the fight at the fair, and kind of how that's set up. The the fight at the bridge. It just all it's all woven together very very well. And he knows what to show and what not to show, right? Like um, during the fire when he goes to the, to save the woman's baby, you don't see him saving the baby. You're just saying on the woman's face. It's little things like that. Just it's little excellent things throughout every part of this movie. And when you when you add them all together, you make an excellent film. Mm-hmm. And um, this, yeah. I, I wanted to bring up the swinging real quick because the swinging is awesome in this movie, too. It's one of those things that seeing superheroes fly or travel because there have been so many movies, we kind of lose a sense of how cool it is, if that makes sense. Mm hmm. Just like the sense of speed, velocity, inertia that some heroes have when they're traveling. Like Wonder Woman 1984 did not do that well because she's flying through the air. It just wasn't good. It doesn't have that same inertia that like Man of Steel. I would has. say like her running scene is, is the one that's like uh, that. That doesn't look good. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I did not enjoy that. Yeah, no, I, I didn't like it either. And like, for example, um, Iron Man does like they did a really good job. So, I mean, I think they did. The MCU has done a pretty good job of like kind of selling you the sense that Iron Man is a piece of metal that's progressively gotten lighter, you know, in terms of flying. But like Spider-Man swinging through the city is it's like it sells the right amount of speed. Like you get it. You get how fast he's going. And like it's a progression that the film follows even filmically. Right. Like and there's like a, a sense of danger to it, too, because you. <laughs> he'll fuck up and hurt himself like the way they filmed the swinging for example in the very beginning when he's chasing the guy who killed his uncle the camera's on the hood of the car and it's just following peter and it's like really shaky or slightly shaky it's 2002 shaky <laughs> um but it's like really it's like shaky it's like unsure of itself and by the end of the film when he's kind of gotten used to swinging and stuff you get the cgi camera Right. That's following Peter as he's flipping and swinging fluidly as he makes these huge giant leaps onto the top of buildings. And he you know what I mean? In the film, in the way they present it filmically, you get a sense of progression. Right. At the beginning, he's unsure. He's not sure what he's doing. But by the end, he's mastered web swinging and he's ready for the next challenge. And I that's a small little detail that I like. And each of those that progression is really well shot and it's really well presented. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes is when is the camera on the hood of the car following. It's like panning and tilting, you know, following Spider-Man as he's swinging. And you get a sense of how fast he's going because you're on the hood of the car. You know how far how car how fast a car can go, especially during a chase scene. So all these little mm-hmm. subtle things just go to like, oh, wow. Yeah, it makes him feel like like he's this is how it would look in, in real life, I guess. Yeah. And again, the technology in 2002 was a lot more limited than 2022. But I guarantee you this, mm-hmm. the swinging in Spider-Man, in the original Spider-Man, in my opinion, feels better than the swinging from Tom Holland. Yeah. Is there, there's not like a lot of swinging in. There isn't. The, the first few Spider-Men. 
No, Homecoming kind of makes a joke of it because they were like in the suburbs, far from home a little <laughs> bit. Uh, no way home does a good job of it. Like, especially in the beginning, like you get a sense of No Way Home was where they really got swinging down for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Like when they're swinging in the subway, when they're like swinging at the Statue of Liberty, like it, like you really get a sense of it. But hey, man, Sam Raimi mastered it 20 years ago. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think they did it in the, the animated one pretty good. The Spider-Verse movie. Oh, yeah. Because it, It's something that like he's not really able to do until later on in the movie and i think there's someone even said that like the way that miles morales is animated is is different at the beginning towards the way he's animated towards the end right like he's only at 15 frames or something and then by the end of it needs a more uh, complete spider-man he's at 24 or something like that and that's that's what i love you had two incredible or you, you've had incredible filmmakers who need to show the progression of spider-man and his swinging one of them raimi does it with a less fluid camera, a little bit more shaky. The animators do it by reducing the number of frames that are present and slowly ramping it up until the very end when he is Spider-Man. Incredible. I love it. Ingenious, subtle little detail that you may not notice, but you feel it when you're watching this movie or those those, those movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, I, I mean, I've been slobbering over this movie the, the past um hour. I don't really know what hasn't aged well do you know what i mean like a line or so but even then it's not the worst thing some of the cgi yeah there's the the suspension of disbelief that like these kids are high schoolers at the beginning of the movie well i will say this kirsten uh, dust was 18 at the at in this movie yeah at, in 2002 yeah she was 18 hmm. was she... toby Maguire and james franco i don't know about them uh, I that's the I think they're the the problem because they when the teacher is scolding them it's like they're they're the same age. <laughs> what are you doing? No, I bought that Toby was I like I I still believe that he's a teenager in this movie. James Franco, and eh, maybe ain't no fucking way. Flash oh, Thompson. He was a is... teenager like ten years ago, on, or not ten years ago, but like seven years ago on um, Freaks and Geeks. Oh yeah, but 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 even then he looks old. James Franco just has like an adult face. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just doesn't look like a teenager. Even on Freaks and Geese, he doesn't look like a teenager. I'm glad it doesn't linger there too long. It's it's like, I feel like halfway through the movie, they're not in high school anymore. It's only for like a few scenes. Like, ha- yeah, slightly a little under half the film. And that's one of the, what's one of the, when you're showing actors, um, casting's really difficult sometimes because how do you go around this issue, right? Like, okay, we, yeah. we, we want to cast someone younger, but not too young because they need to be... Like, you know, they need to be able to act well. Yeah. And, and I think the movie is like uh, growing up, right? Like he's in this transitional period between leaving school and going into professional life, going into college and stuff. So you want to cast someone for that. Yeah. So it's just it's just like a it's like a, a thing that was, I think, more po- more common in, in like the early 2000s and late 90s. Like you don't cast teenagers for for high school movies that's just not something that you did well it's Um, well i will say it's still something that that hollywood still hasn't figured out yet because some people have casted younger but sometimes people just like euphoria none of those motherfuckers are are 18 19 like 25 26 zendaya is like 26 27 and zendaya is 27 no way i think she's 26 or 27 i'll I'll tell you this zendaya is 25 okay you graduate high school at 18 
That's seven years later. Mm-hmm. There ain't no... It, it, these, these motherfuckers are not... It, the cast in Euphoria are not in their teens. They're all right. grown people. But, yeah. but, but, but to the show's defense, it does sell that they're teenagers pretty well, I think. You know what I mean? Like, I know that Zendaya's a woman, but while you watch the show, it's like, well, no, I mean, I know she's a woman, but she's she's playing the part well. Like, I, I could buy mm-hmm. it. It's not like I'm I'm harping on it too much. And that's kind of how I feel with 2002. Flash is not a high schooler. He looks like he's in his 30s. Flash Thompson. <laughs> Joe. Joe. Joe Magna. Man- Joe Manganiello. Man- okay. Joe. <laughs> Joe is, Joe is Joe's in his 30s or in his late 20s. That motherfucker is not in high school. But, you know, he sells the the jock. He's he's 26 when this movie was released. Ooh. He's 26 in 2002, so maybe like 25 during production. Okay. Toby was 26. Okay. Yeah, there ain't no way that I bought uh Flash Thompson being, you know, like uh, Joe. But, you know, he plays the jock smartass pretty well yeah it's, it's very fine because well. it doesn't linger there too long it's just kind of like a okay um there's that that weird like oh the girl next door oh if only she would notice me oh it's uh it's it's kind of annoying but it's it's fine because i i think as the movie goes on he's 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 more like a a person and not like that nerd notice me archetype well it it starts well that's what's so great it sets him up as the archetype like okay this is your character and as the film progresses it's like oh no he's more than that it's and he's Mm -hmm. changing he's changing because of what's happened to him and they actually and that's what i really like they spend time with mj and him really well you know she lies to him saying that uh oh yeah i'm just coming from an addition you know and the relationship gets complicated when she starts dating uh, harry it's all great like i love it i but I do get what you're saying. Like the guy that's like, it almost it's like feels- a teenage dirtbag song, <laughs> which is also that came out during this era. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, maybe it's just like a, a product of the time. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, like uh, the first one what's the first the first to Tom Holland, Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming, kind of is the same thing. Yeah, he wants the the hot, popular girl to notice him. It's a staple of the character. I mean, same thing with Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. It it is a staple of the character. Which I mean, again, I think it's a real thing. I don't think these films cross over into really creepy territory. Not like Revenge of the Nerds or anything. But I no, see it doesn't go that far. No, yeah. But like when he's looking at her through the through his window into her bedroom, that's kind of stop looking. And the houses are so <laughs> close too. Yeah. At least close the blinds. Like, you, you know that you're not supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Again, yeah, to- yeah I, I, I feel that 100%. And little things like that, you know, that are like, ah, okay, you know. But uh, I mean, you could say 2002 different sensibilities or just... I think now we're more aware that, like, hey, that's kind of problematic behavior. Yeah, ex- exactly. I think since this movie's come out, we've kind of reevaluated what's cool and what's not cool in terms of all these things, right? relationships kind of things that you should say jokes and stuff and you know we, we've become more aware yeah. of it and i will say this spider-man has adjusted to that they're still funny you know and they're not you know they're not like being raunchy for no reason or anything if that makes sense right yeah and then all that stuff is towards the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and that's the part where i'm like hmm when when am i gonna like like in when i was watching selena like when coma la flor they start singing the song i'm like all right i remember why i love this movie now Mm. I, it's it's that like weird like 
is this movie as good as I thought it was? When does it get good? And it, it, you know, after he gets bitten by the spider and stuff, like I'm reminded why I love this movie, why Peter, why Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is my favorite, why it it gave me a reason to be excited for Doctor Strange and the multiverse because Sam Raimi's directing that. So we're going to see some really cool shit from a very visual, a very funny director you know i was i was talking to chris and he said that in terms of the story he's kind of interested where that happens but he says that he's more interested in sam raimi directing because he wants to see how much of his style does he retain in the mcu machine if that makes sense and i think that's a really good point sam has a very specific way of filming things uh how much of that is he going to retain in doctor strange hopefully it's a sam raimi film but that does beg the question how much of it is you know, how much of it did he add and how much of it was taken away? That's, that's something that I'm curious about. Um, it is something that I'm curious about as well, but I'm, I'm not as worried about it as I would before. Because before, if you remember when Edgar Wright was going to direct Ant-Man, there was, mm. there was a difference between his vision, what he wanted to do, and what the studio wanted to do. And I think that happened for a lot of the Disney, like Star Wars movies that happened. For the Marvel movies, it happened there. I, f- I feel like as time has gone on, as they've like run the course of they're doing things this certain way, with WandaVision being as weird as it was, with this cool stuff they're doing with the Mandalorian and stuff, I feel like they've let their directors be more of themselves than before. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Sam Raimi would go back to make Spider-Man 3 again you know what i mean yeah so i'm i'm feeling hopeful i'm feeling like it's gonna be a good thing i think we're gonna see the old sam raimi back i think we're gonna see some really visual doctor strange is is magic Mm -hmm. you know and it's a multiverse all kinds of crazy things can happen you're not bound to reality at all (laughs) and what makes me really happy is that he's gone on and sam raimi has gone on to say that doctor strange is like his second favorite hero Spider-Man is his first, but Doctor Strange is the second one. And if you remember, he includes uh, he includes like a little Doctor Strange cameo in Spider-Man 2 when they're trying to name Doc Ock. Doctor Strange? <laughs> ah, he already exists. <laughs> or, or no, no, yeah. it's like, great name, but it's taken. That's the line. That's what it is. Uh, so yeah, I, so I, I, I do agree with Chris. I am a little, I'm curious about that. But it, it's actually, it's really interesting because somehow that did some part of that reminded me that something you said that didn't age well was Toby's head on a stunt doubles, a stand-in's body when he gets bitten. Yeah. The skinny guy, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was that bad watching it, re- replaying it. Uh, you Did you think it was bad? I was looking for it because I remember mm-hmm. the shot of him like looking at himself in the mirror and he's, he's like, his muscles. So I'm like, well, there must be a before for that too. So I was looking for it and it's it doesn't look great, but it's so brief. It's in one shot. It's fine. It's not as bad as Captain America in the first Avenger. Mm. That looked that looks kind of bad. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and that was throughout the movie. Yeah. Granted, but to be honest, I'm not too crazy about that movie at all. Same. I think it's one of the worst ones. I, um, I haven't seen it in a while. Point. I've only seen it once, though. I mean, all the go- all the ones that are my favorites, I've gone back and rewatched and rewatched. <laughs> Even ones that aren't my favorites, I've rewatched because I'm like, ah, maybe I mi- maybe I didn't get it. But that one's like, ugh, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, I mean, what that, what, however, to be fair to that movie, this movie, it only briefly touches on it and it only has to briefly touch on it. Captain America has to set up the fact that Steve Rogers is physically a lot weaker than everyone else around him. So uh, tough and CGI still wasn't a hundred percent. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough balancing act. I, I, I won't hold it against both those films. You know, like it's just something that dates it. Yeah, it it dates it, but in the and end, and I feel the, like they had they had the wherewithal to know that okay, this doesn't look great, so we're only going to keep it in for a little bit, mm-hmm. just to like give you just an idea of what we're working with, mm-hmm. so that when you see the transformation, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, Cap couldn't get away with that. They just couldn't, right? They can't show you. They had to. They had to go about it the way they did. Um, so I no fault to them. Um. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, the cameos, the the story, the characters, the cameos, the action, the swinging, the comedy. I I really don't see it's much. It's really good. I, I don't see much that has aged horribly or badly. Some things have aged, but I think the bulk of it, the sum of its parts have all aged well. And the, the pacing. Oh, it's paced incredibly, in my opinion. You know, he yeah, gets like once, bit- once we get through all the, the high school stuff, it's it moves very, very well. Yeah. And then you've got action beat, romantic beat, comedy beat, and you're moving. And at the very end, you get the big old explosive action scene. And then it ends. It ends with, you know, with the funeral, like right a few minutes later. And it's like, all right, we are we are not wasting time. And I don't mind movies that take their time. You know, No Way Home is pretty long. It's like 228. Even that movie kind of moves pretty quickly for everything that it has in it. Um, no, but I'm, I love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie. Yeah, and I still I, love this movie. I was telling uh, Chris, this is my Star Wars. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, hundred percent. This is my this is my Star Wars. And look, Star Wars is Star Wars, right? But I never saw that in theaters, right? And I grew up with the VHSs, and I love them. They mean a lot to me. But Spider-Man was the one where I went to theaters. I saw the teaser. I got hyped for it. I saw it in theaters multiple times. It blew my mind. I'm still watching it to this day. When I, if I have children, <laughs> I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna show them this movie and be like, "This is what your, this is what your old man grew up with," <laughs> you know. And it's like, "Daddy, what's you know?" He's gonna grab the VHS and just blow blow the dust off of it. <sighs> Daddy, what is this? Oh, let me tell you. You have this on VHS? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Oh my god! Not gonna, not ever gonna get rid of it, even though the all quality right. is like beyond bad. <laughs> but okay, so that is that all we have for this part of our Spider-Man series? Uh, I think so, man. I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, I mean, I think I, I think we hit the big points. I think so too, because there's a lot to talk about with the making of this movie. Um, so similar to our Godfather episodes, uh, we kind of broke it up to give you like a really good idea of what the making of this movie was like, or what what that movie was like. And we're going to do the same thing with Spider-Man, because there's a lot of things we can get into that aren't, there's a lot of things that we can get into without compromising everything we had to say about the actual movie itself. So next week. We will be coming out with a Spider-Man Part 2 for the making of Spider-Man 1. I know it's confusing, but please, 
Trust us. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be great. And really, what we just want to do is we just want to give this movie like you know because it's a big movie. It's a huge movie, not just for what it is, but for what it meant. Right? I mean this this movie was following in the footsteps of X Men, and this movie made comic book superheroes cool. Remember how uncool they were? You probably don't because that was a long time ago. And yet, <laughs> Blade this... was cool, huh? Blade was cool. Blade was cool, but kids were little kids weren't talking about Blade. They were talking about X Men and Spider Man, and sometimes Batman. But I mean, these movies, X Men, Spider Man, they were really like ahead of the curve, and they did it so well, and they set a precedent for an industry that was looking for the next big thing. Twenty years later, Marvel is bringing people back to the movie theaters. We're in the pandemic still. And what's bringing people to the movies? Spider-Man, Batman, <laughs> right? Yeah. Vin Diesel and his superhero family. So Yeah, there. Yeah. So there's a lot to talk about there. There is something I did want to say. I totally forgot. I totally forgot about this. I wanted to bring it up. You said that this movie has a comic book feel to it. And I agree. Yes. I agree very much. And I think it does it really well. The new MCU films don't have as much of a comic book feel. They're based on comic book heroes, but the style isn't really representative of comic books. Mm -hmm. This movie has that. And I think it does it better than another film that tried to do the exact same thing. You're talking about Ang Lee's Hulk? Yes. Dude, I love that movie. That movie's awful. Uh, Nah, man. It's way better than the... Than the other one. Oh, the Incredible the Hulk? Edward Norton one. I, I don't know. I, I saw that movie a long time ago, and I preferred that one. I saw Hulk a long time ago, and I remember that movie being goofy as fuck. And I really remember goofy. it has the actual <laughs> panels. The actual panels. And it looks horrible. Uh, it looks I horrible. I was a little kid when I saw it, and I loved it. Um, so maybe it's something we could revisit, because I, like I think that movie was way better than the edward norton hulk but i i remember just how goofy the comic book uh slides and and transitions felt because the movie was so it felt like it was trying to be more than what it was right like it wasn't trying to be silly or funny and heartbreaking and all these different things like it it felt like it was trying to be existential to a certain degree but then adding the comic book translation transitions just didn't work but this movie because it's it's campy it's all of these things it pulls it off well. And it, they're not even real comic book transitions. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like right. you, you have the panels come in and stuff like that. It's just like like the focusing on the reflection of Spider-Man's eye and seeing the Twin Towers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Things like that that are part of a that have a comic book sens- a sensibility. I think this is the first Marvel movie to have that, like, the page flipping in the very beginning with Marvel. Mm. You know oh. what I mean? Like the comic books. It's the first one that I think... I'm pretty sure it's the first one that did that because I I went over Blade and I went over X Men and they didn't have that. Oh, <gasps> really? This movie did, and I believe the first Iron Man used the same thing. Yeah, the the, the first Iron Man doesn't, but I'm telling you what. I'm, dun, I'm telling you what though. Dun, 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 dun. You know, with the yeah the movie versions mm-hmm. of the comic book characters. Man, I'm telling you, this movie, this movie, was the first step for mankind. The first step for the MCU, not mankind. Mankind, damn it. It's no, but a, oh just a little just a little brief thing that I wanted to get into. But yeah, on our second part, we're going to be talking about the making of this film because there's a lot of crazy stuff behind it. What this film meant to New York right after 9-11 and what it meant for the film industry going forward. Because it's 20 years and we're mm-hmm. still talking about superheroes. 
and they're not going away anytime soon. For better or worse. For better or worse. So thank you for listening. Come back and listen to our second part in a week. We'll see you then. See ya.